anything, Aaron, before I hit... Well, I guess I've already hit the uh, red button, but uh, <laughs> before before we hit the sounder there. Before you really hit the red before button. Before I hit it twice. No, that yes. would be bad. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally, with a global perspective, and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, life hacks, and today... GD MBR, which up until recently I thought stood for the goddamn mountain bike road. That's what it is. That, <laughs> exactly that, right. That goddamn mountain bike route. That's right. Uh, we've got Johnny Moses in the digital studio this evening uh, to talk about his experiences biking the GDBR. Ah, I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about his experience biking one of the uh, most rep- renowned and uh, long-distance cycling routes possible in the United States. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Super excited to talk to y'all. I, I really like the goddamn mountain bike route. I'm sure I said that a thousand <laughs> times in my head, but never really together. So. Nice. Yeah, I could imagine. It, it, definitely, yeah. it definitely looks like that. Um, and, and Johnny... Uh, I reached out to Johnny based off a Reddit post because I was um, and am starting to get into bikepacking and Johnny posted a wonderful video, uh, a film of his experience biking the GDMBR. There you go. It might be worth Um, uh, saying at this point that it stands for the Great Divide mountain bike route. Oh yeah, we should probably say that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get it clear. Just in case. Just in case. (laughs) I would be confused if I was listening, so there we have it. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and uh, his experiences there, and uh, has has a has a short film about twenty three minutes, totally worth your time, and we'll include a link to that. Um, so we're excited to get into the into the thick of that experience. Um, before we do so, however, um, Aaron, it's it's been a little bit. It's been it's four days been, since I've seen yeah. you. I guess. How has yeah. your week been? <laughs> Um, not too bad. Uh, That's good. I may have overdone it <laughs> helping you move. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been laid up with uh, just a really sore lower back. Oh, shit. Um, I'm sorry it's to hear that. It's something that, uh, it's, it's, I'm, you know, I'm old now. And uh, this is what happens when you don't think you're exerting yourself, but it turns out you are. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I tried Honestly, to pack I all the boxes in, like, somewhat small. <laughs> No, I, I didn't think anything was <laughs> was that now. heavy. Like, like you you pointed out the heaviest object that you had, and I just hefted it and was like, "Oh, this isn't so bad." Ah, <laughs> you know, you were feeling your twenties, um, huh? I'm curious yeah, as to what yeah. what was the heaviest object that he has. What was it, anyways? It was just this giant board you said was like seventy pounds. I don't think it. I don't oh. think it is though. <laughs> yeah, so I am one of those weird people i guess maybe not weird who knows um wait was that your bed yeah awesome oh so i i um there's a i'm not a like bed person really and like i used to just sleep on the floor with a blanket and like 
that's fine. Uh, it's like I'm basically half a step away from camping at most places I live. Um, <laughs> but great. as I was living in Portland and had a place that was somewhat stable, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself a quote unquote real bed. And as close as I got to that was um, there's a Portland company that makes futons, uh, but they're called like a shikibutan. Shikibut. I'm not. I'm gonna butcher that. So basically, Sounds it's like a, a fancy version. Well, it's it's kind of like a it's like almost the opposite it's like a futon but it's a futon just for one person um mm. so it's like a miniature and you can like roll it up and carry it around uh and the one thing that they recommend with it is that it is raised up off of the floor because you just get a bunch of like molding issues and stuff like that um with the cotton uh, but they make them here in town and they're actually like super affordable i was i was pretty surprised so instead of like being in for a mattress i was like well I'll, I'll go halfway and like get a futon um so to put it on i got a um tatami mat i found because they were like recommending that as a thing and um okay calling it a mat is a misnomer is it it's like a it's yeah, like a floor tile basically it's a, it's a board yeah, yeah basically yeah, yeah. okay it's, it's so like 50 I say layers of of um rush grass basically like woven together that oh, forms okay. I need I need to google this cuz I'm having a hard time yeah, visualizing it's like if you if you're in like a if you're in like a temple in Japan or like traditional flooring in Japan it has those sectioned pieces mm-hmm. um that yeah that's basically it uh and I was like well screw it uh <laughs> I cool. I had looked into like building a pallet bed and stuff like that but this just kind of came together more easily um so yeah, that's what we moved, and it's <laughs> this. It looks deceptively light, and then it's like seventy pounds. It's really heavy. <laughs> I didn't even think it was that heavy, though. Okay, like, maybe it's like I, when maybe I it's like fifty it, pounds, you know. Maybe fifty, yeah, something like that. Um, I try no, not to move it as much as possible. <laughs> I think it was just. I think it was just the back and forth. Uh, it was what sort of, and I'm gonna put it in, in big air quotes. Injured my back because I don't <laughs> think it was injured per se, just kind of worn out. Oof. Um, and this is all like accumulation of, you know, 18, 20 years of an old back injury mm. that, mm. you know, never will heal. No. Why didn't you <laughs> yeah, tell me before you volunteered? Because <laughs> <laughs> then you wouldn't let me do anything. Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I, it's not like I'll, I don't want to let anybody hurt themselves, uh, but I do appreciate the help. <laughs> so, okay. Forget I said anything. Cause now you're never gonna let me volunteer for shit anymore. Well, I just can't. I, I just can't move again ever. That's the solution. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. That's the answer. Yeah, you're stuck. You're stuck now. Yep. Yep. I'll be like, nope. Sorry, Aaron can't hurt his back, so I guess I just have to stay here. Um, <laughs> yeah, Aaron uh, was very kind and helped me move down. I'm officially a resident of well, Portland metro area, but um, Milwaukee, Oregon. Uh, as of Friday, you're in the so. burbs, man. Yeah, apparently, like, I because we were driving up and you were like, "This feels like Clackamas," and I was like, "No, nah, it's Portland." And then I looked at it on the map, and the listing um, for the that folks was, I'm staying with that was based said on Portland. the amount of time that we drove. Oh we yeah, met, like any other outside observation or anything like that. Yeah, fair enough. It's like a 20 minute drive. It's like a 40 minute bike ride back to the former place. Um, we are close to the max transportation line for the orange line, which uh, I have only taken like once, but there's a really nice bike path that's an old rails to trails conversion. Yes. So Oof. that's that's probably going to be what I'm hitting up here. trolley trail. Yeah. Indeed. It's yeah. really nice. I'm excited that's about cool. all the new bike trails. Uh, it's like, 
I, I rode down to the hardware store the other day and um, there is a bike lane not on our street but one street away from us as part of the arterial and um, I kind of want to research when they put it in because I was like super impressed how much bike lanes there are around here oh, wh- yeah? whether people um, pay attention to them that's a whole nother deal but <laughs> right. there are bike lanes right huh yeah so yep this this weekend we moved yay <laughs> congratulations that's a that's a good feel that's a big thing to get over yeah the whole, totally the whole moving process thank you thank you yeah <laughs> i appreciate that um yeah and like, especially moving during covid i'm just like i just feel like it's kind of a mind yes. mind warp in a sense uh but but i think it'll be good for um some of the like mid to medium term goals that i'm i'm seeking for you know just like everybody had plans and then now it's like literally every day you're just like hmm, okay well i'll do what i'll do today and we'll see about tomorrow so that was that was a pretty big uh pretty big change like all things considered yeah it's exciting yeah um well we didn't come here to talk about moving all day we came here to talk with johnny um johnny do you want to introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do uh and and sort of what inspired you to get into you know mountain biking as i would put it or or the g d m b r yeah yeah totally so um as y'all said my name is uh johnny um i live in brooklyn and have on and off for about seven years i guess two years ago got an apartment in brooklyn and that was like a big step of like solidifying that we were we're new yorkers uh, my partner is from the Bronx, so she's always been a New Yorker, but this is my, like, yeah, now, now I'm here. Um, I've worked for Outward Bound for the last seven, eight years. Nice. Uh, both out in Minnesota um, and here in New York City, which always confuses people. They're like, there's Outward Bound in, in New York City? It's like, yeah, hell yeah, there is. Um, and so for those of you people who don't know what Outward Bound is, we are an outdoor educational um, organization that teaches character development through expedition, whether that's um, whether that's canoeing or hiking or paddling or whitewater or almost everything besides biking, actually, which I've been pushing for, for, some, for some cycling programs. All our programs now look wildly different because of COVID and, and schools not having budgets potentially or, or whatever else. Um, and so I grew up in a town called Indiana, Pennsylvania, which we were talking about a little bit beforehand which is confusing for a lot of people. But I say that um, my town of Indiana was founded before the state of, so we're the original Indiana, and they took our name. Nice. Um, just nice. to make that clear. <laughs> um, and Indiana just means place where Indians live. So everywhere in the United States, is, everything is Indiana. Everywhere oh. is Indiana, yes. Everywhere is Indiana. Um, yeah, so um, I got into like doing outdoor stuff pretty randomly, and cycling specifically, um, because I lost my license as a young lad um, for nefarious deeds. Um, and so to get to school and work, I, I had to start cycling. So I got really into biking. Um, uh, my first official bike was a 2004 Cannondale Scalpel uh, with a lefty fork, um, which oh, I yeah. still have. Love that bike. Um, it's kind of turned into my city commuter as it's a bit old. Um yeah, and then I guess the, the process for doing the, the GDMBR um, is kind of a, a longish story. So I don't know where you want to launch into it. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, so, like, I, I happened across your video on the bikepacking subreddit. Um, 
And like just for a little bit of background about myself, I used to be a film finder slash uh, manager for a festival here in Portland called Film to Buy Bike. And so my job each year would be to scour the internet and different communities for looking for um, basically like the greatest bike films. Uh, and so watching anywhere from like three to 5,000 films that were cycling centric over the course wow. of the year. Um, and so when I, I think I reached out, I said like, this is one of the best GDMBR films I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, this is one of the I, best goddamn bike films. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and like, I, I mean it too. Um, I think it was just so poignant and I really loved how you, uh, you just presented like the experience in a very, uh, unfiltered way. And that's something that with, especially I think in bike films, like the more extreme it is, or, or you know, air quotes there, uh, the more a lot of times filmmakers will try to really just like hype it up and just in, introduce adrenaline or, or that type of thing. Like this is, you know, so so untoward or outworldly that like it's extreme, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think that's not all of the GDMBR films I've seen, but it's definitely more focus on just like sufferfest type deal stuff um but it's really like it's really like orchestrated or it's really uh <laughs> like up, uh just kind of like built up even if it wasn't actually like super crazy it was just like hey we're riding yeah. a bike and the conditions kind of suck um right right so what i really enjoyed was that through the perspective of your film um you i think you did a really fantastic job of capturing the full experience of the ride and also these little kind of poignant sections along it um and so i you know like i found myself uh just kind of like grinning and laughing and just like <laughs> being right along there with the ride for you i felt like you brought me to your experience uh you know as a filmmaker and for what that was for you um more closely than than you know almost any other that i've seen um and so I, I just had to reach out and say like, hey, <laughs> be great yeah. to talk about that. And I, and I think you talk about stuff in the film as well that, um, you know, hasn't been talked about. And I don't know, like, what the best road into or, or if you want to talk about sort of how you came about being able to go on the trip uh, and the intention with that. But um, yeah, yeah, wherever you want to yeah. wherever you want to jump in. Well, thanks uh, a lot. I really appreciate it words about the film that's really encouraging as that was like my first major piece of videography that I've put together um, and really it was more of a passion project and you know like I just shot it on like a GoPro 5 and um, which the GoPro really turned into just like my friend who I could talk to you know mm -hmm. just like the solo camera because I was by myself the whole time and um, there's a lot of really ridiculous videos that no one has seen of me just like yammering <laughs> on or, or entertaining these like hour-long fantasy scripts that are just popping into my head. Nice. Um, so I think that the reasons for the trip was two-parted. One was having run expeditions um, everywhere from two-day to 30-days um, trips uh, in, in different backcountry settings. Um, There's a few guys who I've worked with who had done some really epic trips. Um, this one guy who I worked with, uh, Tyler Fish, he... Um, cross-country skied to the North Pole un unassisted, um, and that was really inspiring to me. Another guy I worked with, Dan Blessing, he paddled a birch bark canoe that he made um, from somewhere in the Midwest to the Pacific. Um, that was an incredible um, experience and expedition. And I remember about six years ago, I was really inspired, and I, I wanted to do something similar. I really wanted to do a big trip 
that was by myself that, that would really push me and, and challenge me and uh, utilize a lot of my skills. And I remember thinking that I wanted to bike the Continental Divide, and that was before I knew that a route existed. Um, I was like, man, that would be really cool. I haven't heard about people doing this a whole lot. Um, so part number one was inspired to do something really hard and, and really big. Um, part number two is, um, so I'm a black man who's worked in the outdoor industry for these however many years. Um, and over time, I've just noticed the discrepancies and disparity between uh, just who is in the outdoors and who um, who the outdoors markets to, who it's accessible to, um, and I'm using air quotes here, but like who, who belongs there. Um, and so I felt that a lot for myself. I worked for with the ski patrol in Vermont and uh, was like the token black man on the mountain. And, uh, where I worked in Minnesota, I was like one of the only black dudes. And so everybody knew who I was because like, like I'm the only black dude, you know, I got yeah. tattoos and dreadlocks. Everybody's going to see me from a mile away, especially when I'm out paddling in the boundary waters. Um, and then coupled with that idea and those things that I was experiencing as a person, as a black man in America, our students here in New York City for our bound um, are all primarily students of color. And, um, their experiences in the outdoors was uh, like really like, eye-opening and amazing. You know, like I've had so many students who were who would say things like, "Like, nah, Mr. Black people don't hike." You're like, "No, we don't climb. That's not what we do." Uh, and so I really wanted to figure out like why is that? And um, and then you know nine times out of ten, maybe seven times out of ten, students would leave the, our programs and be like, actually, this shit was pretty awesome. Like, a lot of kids actually had a hard time going back into the previous environments after having such an amazing experience with us out in the woods. Um, and so one of the reasons I, I kind of, like, zeroed in on as to why this was the idea or why people felt this way is this lack of representation in the media and, and what faces are being shown in the outdoor world. Um, and so I really wanted to like be a face for my students and for other people of color who um, don't feel included in that space. Um, so that was like the, the, the biggest spark. So um, maybe winter of last year, winter of 2019, um, started tossing it around as, man, maybe this is the time to do it. I don't know. And then my girlfriend, Aileen, really uh, like pushed me to just try. It's like, you know what, just go for it and see what happens. And like, yo, I don't have the gear for this. Um, like I cycle, but not like that. I've never bike packed before. Um, so we decided to raise money and the purpose would be to like, whatever money I get, use that to fund my trip and then use the trip to then launch like a talking space and, and, and use it for, to have conversations like this. So I really appreciate y'all giving me the, the opportunity to, to talk about it and, and spread that kind of message a little further. So we started a GoFundMe um, and I really didn't expect to make a whole lot of money um, at all. Um, and it just kind of started to pour in, you know, people started donating left and right. And it was really exciting. Um, and I was kind of like, Oh shit, like this kind of means I got to do it now. <laughs> now you're committed. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm locked in. I'm taking these people's money. So, um, and then I got a lot of really awesome support from, from larger sources. So GoFundMe themselves donated a thousand dollars, which was like strange and ironic. Um, to me, like I guess they have a program where every month they pick one of their own platforms to donate to. Um, okay. So that was really sweet. Um, I started working with a bike shop in Brooklyn here called 718 Cyclery. Uh, and the owner there, Joe, awesome dude, super supportive, 
um, I bought the the bike I use as a um, salsa timberjack um, from him, and then he set me up with salsa, and they provided all my packs for me. Uh, nice. I got a, a hookup with Patagonia, and kind of like a partnership of like uh, I would speak at Patagonia after the trip, and they would give me some um, help me with some gear and some funds as well. Uh, so then I was like ready. I started gearing up, started learning, started reading some books, um, and then time rolled around. Um, rented a car, drove out to, to Banff, and um, launched into it. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess I'll pause there if you have any like questions or thoughts. Or like, I'm pretty. Good. I can just like like ramble <laughs> and go. And oh, that's so good. I, I Take them out to stop. And, yeah, yeah. Breathe. We're fine with that too. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm like, stop interrupting our, stop interrupting <laughs> myself to, to our guests. Um, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. It's really nice that there was sort of that pull together. Um, had you thought, so it, the intention was then you were, you were aiming off the get go to have video footage of this experience or um, how did that process come about? Yeah, you know, it was, I knew it was going to be really important to document. Um, I didn't know what that would look like. My brother is a filmmaker and, and owns a production company. So I was like launching some ideas off of him. Um, and so he kind of like encouraged me to, to, to start filming, just film everything um, that I could. And, um, and I didn't really know where that was going to go. So the whole, a lot of the, the idea for what was going to come happened on the trip. Um, while I was riding, more ideas started to flow in, and then I started to get kind of a hang for what I wanted to, to shoot, what I wanted to film. Um, and I appreciate what you said about the film earlier, because part of my reason for doing it was wanted to just to kind of show the realness of it and um, try to be more personable so that people can watch, and especially like younger students of color or anybody can watch and, and be like, oh man, like this guy kind of just launched from nothing and then made this happen, and I can watch this thing happen. Um, so that was kind of the, the gist of that. I also was taking like notes and, and journal pages every day, um, which is really fun to go back and read through. Like every day is journal entry, you know. Um, and yeah, I guess, guess for people who don't know, the GDN, GDNBR spans from Banff, Canada, which is in Alberta, to the border of Mexico. And it goes um, through five states. Um, ending at the border of Mexico. They actually, they extended it to Jasper right before I started. And that kind of pissed me off. It's like, oh man, like I didn't technically do the whole thing. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gotta head back. But I, 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 yeah, I guess I got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Um, when you were prepping and planning, so you, you know, you had the bike riding experience. Um, what, what about it? were like and we'll, we'll go out outdoor industry here like what were known knowns what were known unknowns what were unknown unknowns for you uh what what did you really focus on and and focus your energies towards uh prior to hitting the trail and then um you know pr- what were some things that that surprised you once you got out there mm-hmm. i think some knowns was um just general like familiarity and proficiency in being it by myself in the wilderness. Um, so like the idea of like being able to sur- survive more or less and, and how to camp and those things kind of are, are natural. So those are, that world was known and cycling was known, but then combining those two, all of it was unknown. Right. So like um, I really focused in on packing correctly and spent a lot of time like 
dismantling my bike, putting my packs back on, repacking different things, testing out different gear. Um, and then before the ride, I was like really practicing, trying to just ride with the full load and see what that felt like, see what the balance was. Um, this is also the first time I rode clipless. And so that was like a whole new world of mm-hmm. shenanigans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you, if you watch the film, you'll see those shenanigans unfold. <laughs> sure, dude. I must have fallen. I, I stopped counting after like 12 or 13. Uh, All in the first week. I, I, figured it, I figured it out. I do appreciate that you kept the you kept at least one of those in though. Yeah, I thought it. I I laughed at it, and so yeah, almost anything that makes me laugh about myself, I like to to, to keep keep around. Um, and you know, every fall was about three miles per hour. It was it was nothing like crazy. I've had some wild wrecks before, but this was like nothing nothing crazy. Just always like you know, real slow yeah. slow mo <laughs> followers. Sometimes in front of random people in the woods, and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> My ego is hurt, but I'm fine. Um, so that was a big unknown. Um, and then I think some things that, you know, that, that stretch, um, that whole route is just, it's so much of it is really, truly wild. Like, really barren stretches of nothingness. It's beautiful, like, absolute beauty, but yeah. just nothing. Um, and the weather can like, you know, some of the hardest days I would think would be the larger climbs on the trip, but actually ended up being intense weather days, mm. um, getting oh, chased by yeah. storms, getting caught in storms, um, cycling through a hail at the top of the pass and there's no cover. So it's just like, you got to keep going, I guess. And it's, um, yeah. So that was, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, being out so, in the middle of nowhere, uh, was there a point where you were like, "Oh shit! If something happens to me, like, I'm I'm done for." Hundred percent. I was always yeah. kind of in my mind, and um, there there was a few videos I took that were like, <laughs> "This probably sounds a little dark, but like preemptive videos to my uh, mother, like, yeah. hey, Bob, just so you know, I love you. I'm gonna go do this, yeah. and then like launch into something." Um, and I haven't shown her those videos. I probably won't. She doesn't like just show me those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I this is this is weird. I didn't do anything nearly as out there as, as you did, but on um, on my last uh in the middle of nowhere adventure I did write a note that I ended up destroying. Um, but a note to my partner just saying like, Hey, if you're reading this, something happened, dot 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 yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's real. Um um what kept you going in those in those points though what kept me going yeah i think just like i mean i definitely thought about quitting a a handful of times like a dozen times yeah you're talking about like being pelted by hail and just going through it i could imagine if it were me i'd be i'd be throwing my bike on the ground and be like yeah fuck this I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna hide until it goes away, and if it doesn't go away, I'll just die here. I'm fine. That that also happens a couple mm. of times. I'm like, fuck this shit, toss the bike, <laughs> storm away, or like, you know, I wonder if the next town has a train that goes east. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think a, a piece that kept kept me going was really like the purpose behind it, and um, I'm also super stubborn, and I have a hard time quitting something. Yeah, um, and so I kind of decided beforehand. It's like 
the only way I would quit is if I get seriously sick or like seriously injure myself. Mm. Uh, right now. And so kind of made that as just like a, a baseline uh, of a jump off of. Um, and I think, uh, uh, you know, the idea of being alone up there with super limited service and a GPS tracker that was super shitty and did not work. Um, and I took it back to REI the second I got back. Uh, <laughs> I, so I carried like a ton of water, way too much water. Um, mm. My thought was always like, if I get hurt, break a leg, I don't want water to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to sit where I am, wait for somebody to find me, and be able to stay hydrated and, and, and not lose, um, not lose fluids like that. Yeah. Um, a GPS yeah. tracker, which will go unnamed, but maybe rhymes with dot. <laughs> it rhymes with Carmen. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> it rhymes with Carmen. All right. And I thought it was going to be great, and it. it it, maybe I just was inept in figuring out how to use it, but um, yeah, it wasn't the best thing in the world. That's always so. Like, actually, and I end up using just my paper maps in my phone. I end up being my my <laughs> thing for the, the whole stretch, um, which ended it ended up working fine. I did it. Now here we are. Nice. So pulling back the curtain a little bit, um, and and you can plead the fifth on this one. When when you were lost uh, towards the beginning of that film. Um, was it a GPS issue, or were you actually like really off route? I was, It was a human issue. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. I think I. So at that point where I got lost, I was like in that because that was. The, I think that was the first day. That was still. The yeah, you were like, I'm 20 miles in, and I'm already off off uh, off track. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was just like, here I am. I'm doing it. Do 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 do. Um, I kind of gotten over that initial like oh shit fear you know mm-hmm. in the first ten miles of I'm doing this thing, um, and I just wasn't paying enough attention to the GPS or the different routes and just went straight when I should have veered off a little bit. Uh, okay. And then I had to bushwhack up this hill, carry my bike on my shoulders. I was like, man, Johnny, this is a great, great way to start. <laughs> doing doing great here. But if um, you know if you can make it that way, then. It's all good, right? Yeah, right. Every, every every small victory is just more fodder for the next challenge. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of um, your experience with Outward Bound, um, what what percentage do you feel like you planned and kind of had under that wheelhouse, and what percentage do you feel like you, you know the best the best laid plans of? I can't remember the rest of the quote, but you know, just like shit yeah, happens. Totally. Uh, d- did you rely on that planning, or did you find sort of this equilibrium between having what you had planned, but then also the reality of what you were, what you knew you could achieve or were wanting to achieve once you sort of got into the rhythm with it. Yeah, I think the latter, I think it was a, a pretty balanced out thing. So I like, I, before I went, I poured over every segment of the map and like was making notes on the maps and in a different notebook and really trying to familiarize myself. I think uh, my hour balance training, you know, you, you plan to a T um, and then you, the second you start your course or your, your expedition, you know shit could go out the window instantly. But you have all of that uh, pre-planned knowledge uh, to, to use as a, a launching point. Um, but I think, you know, going back to knowns and unknowns, um, so much of the, of the map, although, like, I'm pretty proficient when it comes to reading, like, uh, reading maps, um, so much was just not what I expect. Whether it was, like, terrain um, or, like, some of the climbs were like technical ass climbs that I didn't expect to really be the case either. Um, 
so it's definitely a, a, a happy medium for sure. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of terrain, what terrain did you feel most prepared for and what terrain did you feel like, Oh, I've never done this before. Holy shit. I think the, the terrain I felt the most prepared for was like, it was like single track shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like dirt logging roads. Like that's like okay. yeah, yeah. growing up in Western PPA, that's the that's shit that we have, you know? So I was pretty, pretty familiar with that. I think the terrains that let's see what, there was just some some stretches that were so rocky and cobbly and doing technical stuff with a loaded mountain bike um, was just a different ball game, you know. Um, I'm thinking uh, specifically of a, a climb in northern New Mexico uh, that was like I don't remember how long it was, but it was it took me five hours of just kind of straight going up over this pass. Um, and there's just all kinds of slabs that I had to like hop up over or like get off my bike, get off to the next slab and then keep going and just slowly making my way up. Um, oh, uh, fucking washboard. Oh yeah. Washboard I, you, you kept a piece of washboard in the film. Yeah. I'd never experienced that. And I remember like reading something or watching somebody else's video talking about it. I'm like, what the hell is that shit? Whatever. It's awful. I hate it. It's, it was so hard. It's impossible to balance yourself in any comfortable way um, on washboard, like no matter how much suspension you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So washboard was um, super, super tough. Um, and then lastly, I think like the desert mud after a rainstorm and you just get the like two inch caked on mud to mm. your, to your everything and you can't yeah. spin and, and you just have to push or find a cow track or some shit like that. Um, that was that was probably the most demoralizing because um, you know you have like this you have a goal and then suddenly you're you're going two miles per hour as opposed to right. twelve or thirteen. You yeah, know? looks like today's a ten mile day instead yeah. of like a thirty or forty mile. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, For the yeah, there's, go ahead. Oh no, you're good. Um, yeah, I was going to mention there's, there's this one story of that you see some of in the in the film, um, but there's a stretch in Wyoming called the, the uh, I think it's called the Great Divide Basin, um, which is more or less uh, like 140 miles of just desert, um, not a lot of climb, just long desert stretch, and so there's there's like a little bit of water at the very beginning and then a little bit of water at the end, but nothing in the middle. And so there's different ways to kind of go about. Uh, Launch it into it, and so it's either like carry a shit ton and camp and like preserve water, get up, keep going, or carry a shit ton of water and just shoot the whole thing. And at that point, I was feeling pretty pretty good about myself physically, mentally. I was like, "Yeah, let's do this thing." Um, so I wanted to do the whole stretch, and it was you know it was it's it's like Wyoming desert, so it was hot as shit, and it was arid and and long, beautiful, really really gorgeous, and there's like wild horses like along the side of me and. Um, really picturesque, feeling like I'm in the uh, out in the, the real time old old west, mm. um, and so I'm crushing it, right? So it's like I uh, get to lunch time, and I've done like 70 miles. Uh, I'm like, man, this is like a breeze. Um, and then after I eat lunch, and honestly, like I was feeling a little cocky, which I should have known that was like my, <laughs> my, my downfall was that cockiness. Um, <laughs> but so I was trying to avoid, I, I had read that in the afternoons, the winds and storms will pick up. 
um, kind of across the, the landscape. And I was trying to avoid that stretch, kind of get past it. So I finish lunch, um, get on my bike, and suddenly I tell, can tell something's wrong. Um, and my back tire's flat. I'm like, no big deal, right? Just a flat tire, pump, pump it up and, and keep going. But because of the wind or I don't know what else, but it took me two hours to fix my, my flat tire. Flat tire. Mm. And a two-hour flat fix in the middle of a 140-mile day is, like, not what you want to have happen. Um, so I, like, finally fi- uh, figure it out get my tires set still a little sketched out there's like all, like no service i'm definitely like by myself here um get going again of course i hit all the storms and the winds and I just and it's, and it's just straight headwind too it's headwind and like pelting rain and um long probably that was definitely the longest full day of the whole trip but i made it eventually it was like a something like a 17 or 18 hour day um which I know for other people who've done the, the GDMBR, the, the racers who do it, like that's a, like that's like daily. That's like their their normal. Oh right, yeah. Seventeen hours or eighteen hours or whatever. But yeah, for me that was a that was a rough one. Mm. In the film, um, you know, there was a lot of solo time, it, and the perspective, you know, getting back to the film style uh, in the beginning. I don't know if I I, I kind of like want to spoil, but don't want to spoil. But it's just like you're talking to the viewer in a very like just like down to earth fashion. Um, so I, like just as the film opens up, uh, just kind of like setting that precedent, you did also choose to include a couple of interactions with people that you met on the road. Um, and I'd be curious to hear your, your perspective um, on what you choose or chose to include and in, in what you might maybe chose to admit or omit mm. uh, in that selection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and I, as I mentioned before, I think like the idea behind what I was filming was evolving as I was going on. And, and when I first started, you know, I like I liked the idea. And to be honest with you, I think in that intro that you're talking about, um, I was talking to an audience, but I was kind of more talking to the camera itself, you know, as like an entity. It's like, hey, I'm going to get to know this camera. And, and then through extension, everyone else who ends up watching on the other side. Um, but I think that as time went on and I started having uh, like a lot of amazing interactions with, with humans, some, some not so amazing interactions as well, um, that I kind of realized like some of the heart of the trip was the, the human aspect and not the solo aspects. Um, the solo aspect, you know, got pretty comfortable for me um, and already kind of was that comfortable in, in the soloness and really reveled in that, I think. Um, and the purpose being a human purpose for the, the trip that I thought it was important to kind of capture um, those interactions, which I think most of the interactions you see is people giving me things, whether it's beer or like mangoes or, um, or whatever else. I got a lot of beer. I have, yeah, I've never <laughs> heard of people just pulling over and offering beer like that. That's, that's yeah. hilarious to me. It was, it was great because every time that it happened, it was needed. <laughs> it was it was just the right thing at just the right time yeah yeah exactly yeah um so i think yeah so i really wanted to to um have that that human aspect and um kind of also show the different people and their reactions to me kind of being in that mm-hmm. space and um i one of my regrets is not having done that sooner like filming more of the human interactions uh, 
And I think if I were to do it, and I am going to do things like this again, I think that would be a, a, fo- a focal point is the interactions that I'm having with, with humans as I go along. Um, yeah. Nice. Did you um, end up riding with any other individuals who are en route, sort of playing tag or any such? Yeah. Well, there was two days, um, maybe three days, where I was definitely playing tag with... Um, these two writers from Chicago area and as a little, you know, a little more of a little leapfrog, you know, like I kind of passed them would see they'd be stopped, chit chat, keep going. And then we ran into two other dudes, uh, all had some beers one night, camped together, all kind of decided on the next campsite. Um, and it was really interesting kind of like seeing other writers who were there for their, their own reasons and different purposes. And um, two guys were solo, two guys were together um, and that was really a really cool moment for me and like a sense of there's other people out here you know like I know who's behind me and I, and I kind of know who's in front of me a little bit too at different times um, so that added a bit of comfort into the idea of the the aloneness and even to a, even a sense of security and like okay if I if I really hurt myself I know someone's behind me at least 50 miles who's gonna hopefully pass an exact same exact same spot um but that was really the, that was really it. Um, I had started my ride right before the race that happens, or right after the race that happens, um, maybe by like a week. And I was really trying to catch up to the last rider uh, by the end. <laughs> oh, nice! And I, I, I missed her by like two days. Um, almost got there, but not quite. When you were out, you know, thinking back on it. Uh... There, there are probably memories that, that will be just for you. Uh, what are some memories of, of that isolation or that just you're talking about the tranquility or the, the openness or the vastness? Um, can you, do you think back or can you think back on a moment and, uh, and what that felt like? You know, do, you, do you find that you, that comes back for you, um, you know, being in, in the city at this time? sort of the compare and contrast or, or the yeah. the escape between uh, the two? Yeah, I mean, that soloness is something I'm really missing right now. I haven't been locked in and quarantined in New York City. Um, I, think, uh, I think the things that stand out to my mind is so in, that very, in the very first day, um, maybe about 25 miles in or 30 miles in, um, after I'd gotten lost, I'd kind of gotten past that, that and was going and um, was feeling a little low after having gotten lost. And, um, and although I was surrounded by, you know, the, the Banff beauty, I was, um, my body was already hurting a little bit. And, uh, and then I turned on a, the first song I listened to an entire trip was a song um, called Bygone by Volcan- Volcano Choir. And it just like made me cry with just like the, the, with the moment of the, of the brevity of it all and um, the excitement and the fear, it all kind of welled up into this one moment of listening to this beautiful song in this beautiful space. Uh, and then that song kind of became a bit of by like one of my theme songs kind of throughout the whole thing. And uh, I would listen to it on my really early mornings and then it was the the song that's playing at the end of the of the film as well. Okay, that's gotcha. also the last song I listened to nice. um, going up to the the border of Mexico. Um, and I think 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan of listening to, I listen to a lot of things, but I really like, really like, how do you describe it? Like, um, like beautiful ambient um, kind of indie softer kind of stuff. And uh, I just had so many really amazing, like sunrise mornings, just losing my, my mind and the beauty around me. And um, just kind of really feeling the strength of, of, of the nature and of my body, you know, like your body transforms and, um, and yeah, there's that feeling of strength that kind of comes from that solidarity and, and being able to push through that solidarity was, was really uh, empowering and, and impactful for me. Nice. Awesome. If you were to, you know, go back in time and, and knowing what you know now, if you were to give yourself one piece of advice before starting out on that trip, uh, what would it be? Mm, good question. I think piece of advice. It's, so this is going to be sound a little counterintuitive, I think, or, or you know, two sides of different coins, maybe. Um, I, by the end, I was really, really wanted to just get it. Like all my body wanted to do was to ride. And um, I was like, trying to push up big days and that made me feel really, really strong and powerful. Um, and I think at the beginning I was, I was nervous to do that. I was scared about what my body's response would be. Um, and I played it, you know, I think looking back, it was the right to choice, but I definitely played it much safer in the first half. Um, it was, you know, it's a brand new skill to me. It's a brand new world, brand new environment. I haven't been in those places that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think for me personally, the advice I'd give to myself would, would be to like, like drop that fear and like get it. Like mm. if that's what I feel like I need to do is, is to do that and um, take the time to, to still have those interactions, like push out big days, but um, take the moments as they come and, and don't move past them if you feel like you want to get it or, or vice versa. Like if you feel like you want to get it, then listen to that and, and maybe pass on that one moment. Um, right on. Yeah. Cool. Um, you talked about kind of wanting to have uh, that space for a conversation or starting a conversation for uh, um, black people on the trails. You know, this is admittedly, and I don't think this is any great revelation to any of our listeners either, that this is very much a white-dominated and male-dominated area. I mean, biking in general is white and male-dominated, but like that sort of bike packing um outback type type riding is even more so um so asking i don't know i guess for our our mostly white listeners what is something that you would have them know about this whole experience um and then the same for what few uh, hopefully growing <laughs> the number of listeners that are, are not white, you know, are, are black and, and BIPOC listeners. Yeah. Are some of the, yeah. What are some of the things that you would like to take away or have people take away from this on either end of that? Yeah. Yeah. So on, on the, the first bit, um, I think one thing that was really present, I think, for all people of color, and especially in these spaces, but in this country in general, is this idea of, uh, of vulnerability that I don't think a lot of uh, 
white people in the outdoor world feel and um, mm. a, kind of a constant feeling in the back of the head that I've got to be aware. Um, and that awareness isn't necessarily coming from the, gri the grizzly bears, but it's coming from, I don't know who the humans are around here. And I don't know how they're going to perceive me in this space in Montana and gun toting Trump country. Um, and that's really real, you know, that's really real thought. And like, every town I come into is, um, that's a thought that's in my, my, my mind. And so I think that I really want people to recognize that, that what our histories have led up to is at the very least that feeling um, of potential unsafety almost at all times. Um, and then also in, the, in that first question of kind of what I want white listeners to take away is as the necessity and amplifying the voices and the people who are already doing that work, the people of color and BIPOC people who are doing that work. And, and because there's, there's a lot of awesome people out there getting it. And uh, a lot of great organizations trying to move this kind of work forward. And I think amplification and representation is, is huge. Um, and also like the idea of this world being unaccessible is false. Um, because it, it isn't, but it's perceived that way. And it's perceptions that I think need to be broken down sure. um, in a lot of different ways. A, like, you know, what gets marketed is this expensive gear that you need to go out and you need to buy the things in order to do the thing correctly. And that's not really true um, to a degree, you know, like I yeah. wanted to make sure I had a nice bike that would get me through. But besides that, like, um, not really. And I mean, um, much yeah. that sort of echoes what you had mentioned earlier with your outward bound students out of New York, how they were saying like, yeah, we, we don't climb, you know, we don't do this. Yeah. It's an expensive sport. You yeah. Know? And yeah. If, if you if you see only white faces doing it um, and you're not the one being marketed to and you don't see people like you doing the thing. And then if you wants to do it still and then see the price of climbing shoes, like, mm -hmm. fuck, like, I guess I can't do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah yeah and then the flip on the second side um of kind of what i want the takeaway to be for people of color who are interested in, in getting to the outdoors is a that looks like what you want it to be you know just because i went bikepacking doesn't mean that's what you need to do as well if you want to that's awesome um but know that there are people out there doing it and there's the support in that world um and to not be afraid to kind of take on some of these fears and challenges that are in your way or these barriers that, that, are, that are there. Uh, but really, I think more than that, the answer needs to be if people in the industry taking those barriers down in the first place mm -hmm. uh, right. so that right people on. don't come, on, come into them or, or, or get, uh, have, to, have to tackle them on their own. Um, and I think a, a point that I didn't talk about in the film because I had stopped filming um, was... And I'm still really trying to grapple with my own takeaways from this experience. But um, so I finished, and uh, I finished at the border of Mexico. Pre-planned for this guy to pick me up and take me to El Paso, uh, where my girlfriend was flying in, and we were going to then um, road trip back up to New York and kind of be together after a couple months. And, um, so she's not flying in for another day, so I get to El Paso. I'm staying in a hotel. 
I drink like two big arrogant bastards and eat a whole Domino's pizza to myself. Just like, <laughs> nice. yes. Gorgeous, man. Just Rock fucking on. gorgeous. And so good. And I was hungry afterwards. Like, right. God damn it. That's, that's my favorite part about like big bike trips is you can eat whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. It was awesome. That was the best part. Um, so then the day that she's coming, I check out and, um, there was a like a plaza that had a bunch of um, like cool restaurants I'd seen the day before, and like I wanted to get a beer and like read a book and like sit down and wait for her to fly in. And as I'm leaving, um, the guy at the the desk was like, "Hey man, like just be careful going that way. We heard some some shots and um, maybe like a quarter mile down the road." And I'm like, "I live in Brooklyn, like whatever. Like this uh, is the city. Yeah. I hear shots. Like no big deal." So then I go to the plaza. Um, and it should be open, but everything's closed. And I see people in the restaurants and places, but the doors are locked. And then finally I find a restaurant that's open, go in, and they like usher me in real quickly. And it was it was the El Paso Walmart shooting that was. That oh was shit. Oh, Jesus. Wow. So then I spent the next two hours like hiding behind the like, sandwich counter, um, more or less like kind of just across the street from where the Walmart was. And so then, you know, I didn't quite understand what was happening, but it was just this massive hate crime where a white man went in to kill people of color specifically. And I just spent 40 days in the wilderness kind of grappling with different fears of being a black man and white and white part of the nation. And, um, and then thinking about all these amazing experiences I had with so many humans who I interacted with, who had Trump flags outside of their, their house, but then brought me into their house and, um, I had some some negative experiences with humans as well, but that's just the nature of life, right? And then to be back in the city, having just been in the woods and be so close to this experience and thing happening was was pretty pretty altering um, yeah. in a lot of my perceptions. Um, and yeah. I definitely felt safer in Montana grizzly country by myself than I did that day behind the counter. Um, yeah, so. I get like I guess the, the the one of the takeaways is like to have a black body in this country kind of inherently means that you, you can be unsafe anywhere, um, and that's a, a hard reality to come to terms with. And yeah. you know we're fighting right now for that not to be the case as much as we can, um, but that fear shouldn't stop the people from attacking these things and really going. And it, for me, even it means to go harder um, and keep keep doing this stuff and keep proving our points and keep um, being faces that are out there. Um, so, yeah. Right on. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was something that I wasn't even really like, I hadn't really tied it together. And my girlfriend was like, like, yo, like, you need to think about this. Um, and like I said, I still, I still don't have a really solid takeaway. You know, sure. it's kind of, it's kind of hard to have a takeaway from something like that, but um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Something that I guess if I were to take a, take a gander, it reveals bits of its nature over time. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm sure in another year I'll have different thoughts about it, but you know, on top of that, what's happened in our country in the past year between finishing this ride and now almost at the anniversary of finishing the ride, um, definitely has shaped a lot of those thoughts as well. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in the next year. <laughs> Indeed. 
Yeah. Scary stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> it laughs so that we don't cry or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much. This is really fun to talk to you all. And um, thanks for giving me a new podcast to listen to. I really appreciate <laughs> You're it. welcome. Yeah. I, I yeah. hope you enjoy. Um, is there any kind of uh, online presence that you want our listeners to be hip to as far as like following you or um, you know, something to key into? Yeah, I think a few things. One would just be my Instagram because I'm trying to use that more and more as a platform of, of posting and, 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 and showing more of what I'm doing and what other people are doing as well. Um, and it's Johnny Moses outside is uh, my Instagram. Um, I would love if people watch the, watch the film. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the more watches it gets, the more it gets spread. And that's really cool. And the film um, title is The Path Divided for anybody who's searching that on YouTube right now. Yeah, and we'll link Word. to that on our site. And then the last thing, um, which I'm really excited to dive into and I haven't been able to, is um, Onyx Adventure Racing on Instagram. Um, team Onyx is the first all-black adventure race team, um, which I've joined. I've not been able to race with yet because of COVID. Um, so we're really using this team to propel the same things that I've been talking about here as people of color out in the, in the wilderness getting things and, and going hard. Um, they, the team was on uh, Bear Grylls Eco Challenge. That's a TV no show that's coming out on the 14th on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. So um, people should definitely watch that and, and follow the team's progress and kind of see where we go. Awesome cool yeah and we'll include links to this as well for our listeners yeah so much to process it's great <laughs> i love it yeah. oh i've like uh gdmbr is also like personally speaking something that i'm always like i could never do that but that also sounds fun and like <laughs> seems like a rap, seems like a rap you time. should tackle it it was incredible <laughs> i i at some point i would like to go back and, and race it nice uh, yeah but yeah totally well, you know, with Team Onyx, uh, sounds like there's that potential in the future. Yeah, actually, that's a good thought. I hadn't thought about that exactly. <laughs> right on. You're on, you're on to something here. Hey, there we go. We'll have, yeah, to, we'll have to check just, in and follow up on that. Yeah, just sure. remember, we broke that story. Exactly. You heard it here first, folks. Heard it here first. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all about that world exclusive. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, sprocket, sprocket. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. And yeah, you too. Appreciate the platform. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. Uh, very, very much. Been wonderful to talk to you. Hell yeah. All right, gents. Cool. cool. Thank you. Be well, See you, Johnny. Stay, you safe, stay safe out in Portland. We'll do our best. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about you. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Cheers. All right. <sighs> cool. Well, fuck. I'm really happy Johnny was able to chat with us. Me too. It was good. Dude. Yeah, I'm glad you sent me that link. Because I had seen it, bef- not the video, but I've seen parts of it in, like, maybe you had sent the link earlier, or maybe I had looked it up. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those situations where, like, yeah, I'll get back to that, you know, when yep. and it's closer to the day. You yeah. <laughs> um, so I really, I'm really glad you sent it to me today. Um, and especially 
because then it was you know super fresh in my mind yeah um, yeah totally i i just loved how he approached it uh <laughs> like yeah i i was just kind of like scrolling uh, through bikepacking shit and then i was like ooh, video and then i sat down and i was like oh god it's over 20 minutes and then i was like 30 seconds in i was like nope i'm in i'm in yeah. son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, i uh i sat down and i watched it and all the way through right on no, i guess was, i might have already really cool. been seated but i <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to like make a joke about how he mentions being gassy, but then I realized we had talked a lot of quote unquote spoilers already, Mm. but it was pretty funny that like, I think that's the first bike video I've ever, I've ever watched like of that nature where it wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, it was just completely down to earth and he was just like yep really gassy yep i don't know i don't know why that's part of what i love about about (laughs) the capture um you know like it it would be far far too long for film by bike format type stuff but as a as a film that's out there you know it's one of those examples of like ah youtube can be a force of like a a a (laughs) conduit for good Uh, yeah like there's still there's still good shit out there on youtube uh good good creation and uh stories being told uh so i really appreciated him putting that out you should check out uh he's got another video on his channel that he put out like three oh. days ago okay and i think it's from his uh boundary waters uh guiding experience and they do it in kind of like a steve Irwin type um like capture <laughs> oh, yeah? with him and his co-lead and they're they're overseeing some i don't know like late teens uh in what looks to be their first like self-supported canoeing trip and it's just, it's just awesome. I was like, I wish I could be there because that looks so fun to just be the like adult on the kayak or adult on the canoe um, and just watch like these kids just try to figure shit out in the boundary water in the waters. It was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very much appreciate his filmmaking. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah. We have a whole other quarter of a show. Did did you purposefully write headloins? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's our headloins. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and cool. now for <laughs> Don't don't ever use that. Tim Mooney, ladies and gentlemen. Still using that from forevermore. Uh hey, in calendar news, the Swift Summit Northwest, sadly but very smartly uh is canceled this year um those of you on the social medias probably have already heard this but um just thought we'd also let you know here because we've also been promoting it uh he does i think he did mention um that he would honor anybody who's already registered for next year but don't quote me and anybody who's already registered probably got an email telling them exactly what's going on anyway so why did i say that i don't know hey we're just (laughs) looking to be informative that's what we're here to do we we cover all the bases even those that we don't know about (laughs) (laughs) you know there's there's no knowns and then there's known unknowns exactly and then there's just some shit that you've made up because it sounded right hey that's radio for you (laughs) uh september 12th lads 505th first annual in portland oregon has not been canceled yet has not yet been canceled it's been postponed once 
We'll yes. see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, bike parties still, as far as I know, all postponed. But I do want to mention, somewhat attached to the Baltimore bike party that we've also talked about on this show, um, is the Ride for Black Lives Baltimore Um I got hit to them through Baltimore Bike Party's social media, and it seems like the two are kind of like brother and sister in that way. Um, But happening in Baltimore is a big ride called Ride for Black Lives. It's pretty awesome, and uh, I was really glad to have come across that. Indeed. Excellent. And we'll include a link in the show notes as well. Uh, Well, that now calls for... Now for what can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like it, my bike is fast. I like it, my bike is fast. I like it, my bike is fast. It circles around the city light. Pedal just fast as again into the morning light. Pedal just fast as again into the daylight. Pedal just fast as again into the daylight. Bike your way clean. Title what mine, do you mean by this? Not oh, that's your that's your title. The best title, but it uh. is an accurate title. It is a link sent by executive producer Brock Didis, showing how a bicycle can be used to power a washing machine drive. Oh yes. See what I did there? Yes, I like this. <laughs> uh, this is a contraption uh, that's sort of like belt driven. It's got this like hopper and drum system on the back of the bicycle. So you can get a workout in and get your clothes in a workout in the washing machine at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just because it's a Rube Goldberg device doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Exactly. I, I like it. I think, you know, when fossil fuel is a billion dollars a gallon or who knows, I, I'm not a future predictor, but, uh, there's there's going to be this company that comes out and just says has like all of these replacements for these things that uh, yeah I guess that would be electricity well, they would have to go up a lot for washing machines so it's yeah, related it was actually, if you're powered as, by coal <laughs> as you were saying that I, I was thinking to myself like you know it's one thing to not drive a car you're you're cutting a good amount of of fossil fuel consumption but uh, what powers your electricity. Well, if you're in Oregon, sixty no. percent uh, hydro and that's true. renewable, and a forty percent by Boardman coal plant, depending on your agreement with your power agency. Sure, and you know hydro has has also some issues. Sure, mm. uh, mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically fossil fuel, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's my way around it. I get, I gotcha. <laughs> around that. Anyway, all right. It's all um, right. We'll we'll get there one of these episodes. <laughs> I don't know if we're like that what I'm show, saying, but we're not yeah, not that we're show. Not, we're not not that show. What I'm saying is there tell may us, come Tell a us time, what you really mean, Aaron. Tell us There tell us may what come you a really time in which you, you're just going to have to build that Rube Goldberg device because you no longer can afford the electricity in your house or because the f- thing that fuels the electrical plant is no longer available. I like how there. when you said that, my lights just flickered. <laughs> I noticed. It's pretty sweet. Um... Yes. 
I don't know Case where the point. heck we were going with that. Yeah. But uh, I, bike I your apologize. way clean. There's a bicycle that's also a washing machine. It's pretty damn sweet. It's pretty awesome. Hashtag fuck yeah bikes. Um, also up on the radar, there is a new ride community uh, that we thought to make folks aware about. Are you familiar oh, with this one, together. Aaron? I'm not. Uh, oh so gosh. this is ridetogether.club. Um, and I'll just read off the homepage. It says, if you are a women, woman, trans, femme, bi, POC, LGBTQ+, or otherwise underrepresented cyclist, you deserve to explore by bicycle as freely as anybody else without feeling unsafe, unwelcome, or uncertain. We want to make that happen. Ride Together partners are hundreds of people, families, organizations across the world who invite underrepresented cyclists to join them for a ride, to explore a new place, to rediscover a familiar one, to make new friends, to challenge yourself, or just to enjoy the outdoors with safe, inclusive companions. If riding with a local friend or group would make you feel more welcome in the outdoors, this community database is for you. Everybody on the list has agreed to the simple statement, quote, I want to make myself available as a safe, inclusive riding partner for female, bi-POC, LGBTQ+, and other underrepresented cyclists hoping to explore my area by bike. Beyond that, everybody here is different. Fast, slow, pavement, mountain, representing nearly every U.S. state and several countries. Let's ride together. Um, And it continues on. If you're here to add yourself to the database as a ride partner, thank you so much. Here's the intake form. Uh, So this is something... Uh, where did I come across this? I think I actually came across this on bikepacking.com. Um, and uh, basically, I if you take a look at the Portland map, there are a bunch of folks who have agreed to this pledge. Um, some of our regular listeners I'm will looking at the Portland map recognize right some names on there, perhaps. Gladys? Gladys is on there. Le- Leah is on there. Um, I wanted to say... Pedal PT is the word I was oh, looking gosh. for. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that took me way too long. Uh, I had my brain had to like go from north to south on the Portland Geographic like nature of things, um, and I yeah I just think this is so cool. I I think that um, it is a it is a step in a direction that will I hope allow or enable people to feel more comfortable, more safe, and more welcome. As we were talking about earlier, riding in spaces that are typically um, white male dominated. So yeah. uh, this this is that change in motion. This is people stepping up to say, hey, we, we can all experience this and we can all feel safe doing so. Um, so yeah, definitely would encourage folks to check it out. If you yourself feel that you fall into this category in your hometown, ridetogether.club to learn more information. Um, and I will be keeping tuned on this as a resource uh, because I, I think it's I think it's great. <laughs> I yeah. think it's I think it's just what the doctor prescribed. Yeah, well, especially if you don't feel safe riding by yourself in a uh, in a particular area, either geographically or uh, metagraphically. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, that's, and a, also that's a really you... great resource that they put together there. This Indeed. is really cool. I was kind of exploring it as you're explaining it. Yeah, it's it's got a map. If you if you do feel that you identify with that underrepresented category and you're listening to this right now, um, basically within the questionnaire you fill out, or, or folks who are of this of 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 looking to help towards this um, endeavor, 
fill out sort of, it's kind of just like a mini preference profile. So you can like, I think in Portland, there's hundreds and hundreds of people. You can just kind of read through and find somebody that you kind of gel with and that that sounds fun to go out and take a ride with. Yeah. Awesome. We also have... Next up. Oh. oh, yeah, after you. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> That's great, because this is exciting news. Uh, our good friends at We Got to Hang Out have a little announcement about passing the torch. They say, to every season, turn, turn, turn. wonder where they got that from. It's, Led Zeppelin. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> It's time for We Got to Hang Out to bring a fresh voice and new perspective to the pod. Bittersweet news as our crew here in Portland is stepping down as hosts and pursuing other creative endeavors, but we are passing the mic over to our new dear friend and new host, Christopher Cree Strickland. It's an interview, a conversation, and exchange to which you're invited. We hope you have your ears and cannot thank you enough for your support these last three or four years. We sent Christopher our mics and Zoom and and it's COVID times. I, I missed something here. Uh, so this pod is done over the Zoom app. Oh, I get what you're saying now. Audio quality isn't quite what it usually is, just FYI. Patreon will, azoo- will resume and we'll post the video from our Zoom chat on there for our subscribers. We hope... You continue to listen and support the pod as Christopher takes it over. Show him some love. Right on. You can't see it, but... Oh, that's a big heart. Yeah. I was showing some I, love. I just described it. He showed he showed a big heart. That's um, awesome. Yeah, indeed. And so that's something... Ooh, I don't want to get too much into the into how the, the meat is made, uh, or the meat factory, as Tim would say. But, I mean that's a that's a whole different factory. I don't know what goes on there. Indeed. Well, uh, to to their point, if you are a Patreon uh, supporter and you would like to see us fumble around <laughs> digitally, um, I can't guarantee would do it. But if you'd be interested in watching us um, trip over ourselves each week uh, via our Zoom calls recorded. Write us and let us know if that should be a support or a reward tier. Um, I've been inspired <laughs> by, this, by this post. Uh, you know, hey, we're it's 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 COVID. We got to stay nimble. Um, if yeah, that's something yeah, you, no, I, I, if I you dig would it. enjoy, okay. uh, write us and let us know. <laughs> I just volunteered right you guys, by the way. Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? Uh. You know, I was going to try to do like a, we don't have bleh, but guess what we do have? I should have just let you go with what you were going with. I'm sorry. That's okay. Like I said, we're, we're, we're both very good at tripping over ourselves. Cheers to that. You know, you know what we didn't trip over this week? We got mail. <laughs> hey, we got mail. There you go. Nope. Apparently that's, still that's tripped over done. the button. Yeah. Well, oh, uh, God. Whatever. Hey, this production quality is... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this production quality brought to you by coronavirus. Yes. Yes, um, indeed. That No, that makes light of things, and I shouldn't... Well, anyway. I think, I think, I think our listeners will understand. I hope... Yeah, okay. Well, if... Hey, you know. Send us a letter. Yell at us via email. Yes. At 
sprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, speaking of letters, we got something from our good friend Josh G over there in New Concordia. He says, Portlanders bike at the highest rate of any major American city because generations of Portlanders have built and maintained one of the largest networks of bike lanes in the nation. Oh, this is a pull quote from uh, the cease and desist letter that PBOT has sent to the federal building. Uh, oh, interesting. Vis-a-vis them blocking the bike lanes along the street with their fence. Interesting. Yes. This that is I a pull feel like quote has from lots that letter. Layers. This has says many layers. Um, I like it. So those of you who are outside of the Portland area um, or those of you inside the Portland area who just haven't heard, um, the federal building is surrounded by some pretty robust fencing, and it is currently in the bike lane that goes along uh, that street. And I can't remember which street it is right off the top of my head. Um. Anyway, it it's blocking. It's like six the bike or seven. It's or like right like in. That. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say one of the numbers. Anyway, uh, it's blocking the correct. bike lane. It's in the bike lane, uh, forcing cyclists who commute or who ride downtown along that street to um, get in with uh, vehicle traffic. Uh, essentially, potentially dangerous situation in that realm. Um, and so uh, the Portland Bureau of Transportation uh, has sent a letter stating, hey, this is illegal. You didn't file the permits for this. Um, so we are sending you a, dis- a cease and desist. Take it down or you will be fined. Um, and as of this recording, it is still up. So I'm guessing they are racking up fines. <laughs> Oh we'll yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had some sent, other things. Yeah, I had sent a copy of that out to our uh, Instagram and our Facebook, uh, basically just saying, and, and when you're done taking that fence down, you can go home. Preach. Please, please. Uh, next up from the beer mongers, you want to tackle this one? Yes. Um. We have John Beermongers at the Beermongers 10 hours ago in Portland, Oregon. Hi, John. Hi, John. Quick anecdote. A European dude comes in yesterday a little skeptical asking, are there any decent American pilsners? I pleasantly responded, several in my humble opinion, right here in the Northwest. After several suggestions, he settles on just one bottle, Chuckanut Pilsner. He calls me back 30 minutes later and can't contain himself. This may be one of the best beers I've ever had. I will be back again to try some other American beers. Made me proud of my life's work, spreading the good word about quality beer. It ain't much, but it's something. Prost. Prost. And uh, a prost to beer mongers as well. Uh, I am actually having a little bit of homebrew off the taps from a new housing location. Right I'll on. be back to visit the beer mongers soon. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what type of beer is that, may I ask? Uh, it's IPA. Ah, okay. Classic. Right on. <laughs> Classic. Right on. I think that's cool. Uh, 
I don't drink beer, but I think it's awesome that like somebody who uh, may consider themselves an authority on Pilsner has found uh, a new Pilsner that they like. Indeed. Anytime someone finds something new that they that they enjoy, it just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I think we need that these days, especially. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How, what are you having over there, Aaron? Um, I <laughs> I'm having my signature grape Waterloo. Thank ah. you again, Keith. Okay. Um, but today I'm also mixing it with Seven Up, so I got a grape lemon lime thing going on. Take it. There was this Kool-Aid flavor a hundred years ago when I was a child called Purple Saurus Rex. And it's essentially lemonade and grape Kool-Aid mixed together. And this is what I'm trying to recreate in soda form. I mean, I know what both of those taste like, and I feel like they taste pretty good together. I try some pretty, like, weird food combinations, though. Mm. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) I don't know if it's because of, like, the childhood association or if, if I genuinely do like that flavor, but... It sounds you know, tasty. It's, 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 what I, it's what I like, and every now and then I gotta just recreate that. Yeah. Relive those, those simpler times of falling off my BMX bike. Very nice. Very nice. Mm. It reminds me, and I don't know uh, why, like, the experimentation... I, what do they call it? Like, graveyard when you mix drinks or something like that? A zombie. Zombie? sweet zombie is one is what i've always grew up calling it but that might be like a midwest michigan thing yeah across the soda line yep nice yep i tried um i got some seaweed salad and then i had some haagen mint chocolate chip ice cream and i was like i should try these two things together (laughs) it was pretty good actually really (laughs) yeah you get like right. a little bit of crunchiness from the seaweed and then you get the mint chocolate chip just kind of bringing a sweet to the salty of the uh of of the dish and um the, okay yeah it, I, I guess i can kind it's of pretty see good that. Yeah. it's pretty good all right I had, a, I had a few bites of it in combo um but i'll tell you something about myself first and foremost i kind of eat anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i've never never wanted to shy away from flavors so i'm I'll eventually open up like if I ever become a restaurant tour, I'll I'll open like Guthrie's restaurant, which is basically just like all spicy things and like mint chocolate chip ice cream and seaweed salad or circus peanuts and Necco wafers and things like that. Right on. <laughs> Plus black licorice because you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll get some hate mail. Uh, <laughs> Gregory Braithwaite. What is, what is your? Oh yeah, no, so never oh, mind. You're good. <laughs> I was going to say, what is what is your most interesting combination of flavors? Write to us at thesprocketpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, and that is a sincere ask um, because if you write it, I will try it. So, oh shit! I, I'm giving I'm giving our listeners that power, okay. and I will report back because um, I've eaten some pretty funky stuff in my time. <laughs> There was this, there was this uh, kind of trend on Instagram uh, when COVID first hit, where people would—it's uh, called "see a shot, take a shot"—and mm. so people would pour themselves a shot and like send it out on their Instagram stories or send it to particular people on Instagram. And I never followed through, but I I put two out there: one with uh, root beer. 
and another with kombucha but then i was just gonna go further and further afield with various uh, uh drinks slash mm. liquids um to send to other people nice yeah i never it... followed up and it's no longer a trend so. oh well we should bring it back gosh okay <laughs> i'm gonna go like way into the weeds here <laughs> oh boy so the most crazy thing i've ever seen somebody eat and like i used when i used to work trail crew um mm-hmm. we have like a zero waste policy and we have like one little tupperware container on the trail and that tupperware i don't know it's like a liter maybe and whatever we like absolutely cannot just like shove into our stomachs when we were out in the woods after making whatever meal we were making we'd go into that tupperware uh-huh. and one of my trail crewmates name his trail name was dumpster and he is pretty much like <laughs> my idol uh, because he was named that because he literally would eat anything. And like, I'll eat a lot of things. Um, uh-huh. But but we had the extra like leftover food waste from two weeks worth of trail crew. And at the end of it, it was kind of like a mixture of like a little bit of beans and some mold. And like it had just kind of become watery, but like also yeah, solid weeks, at the same man. time. It was, it was pretty awesome. So we called it like bean wine. And we get to the end <laughs> oh. of the two weeks and he's like, you guys, we can't come out of the woods with food waste. Like that's, that's kind of a sin. And so he opens this up and oh, he no. just chugs the bean wine. Oh. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh. Oh. Why? Because he's awesome. He has a stomach <laughs> like fire. He, he, like nothing happened even. He just, he just like downed probably. Really? You like ha- he didn't like, like get a stomach ache at the no, very least? No, he, he, I swear he has a stomach of iron. I've, th- Must, like, and that's, uh, that's just one story about things that I've seen him eat. <laughs> he's seriously like my role. He's like my role model. The person I look up to when I look at weird food combinations. <laughs> I mean, I am very impressed, but I'm also like somewhat aghast at this (laughs) i mean i wouldn't recommend anybody do it if they didn't want to but mad respect for dumpster yeah wherever you are out there in the world right now um i love you cheers dumpster indeed uh moving on from gregory braithwaite hello the sprocket podcast i hope you are all well i'm not sure this is news exactly but dot 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 i know there are so many more important things happening now but as a means of feeding the monkey of my passion for bikes, I'm experimenting by creating some YouTube videos on a channel called Sweet! Bike Vids. Yeah, and it's literally what it says. It's a channel called Bike Vids. Um, the Sprocket Pedal Shift and Path Less Pedaled have definitely inspired me to create things that are in line with my values and passions. So thanks. Regards, Gregory Braithwaite, right Santa on. Cruz, California. There are currently four videos posted. Mm-hmm. So good on you, Gregory. Indeed. This is amazing. I, I hit subscribe right now. Do it. You will be the 46th subscriber. How do I know this? I am also a subscriber. you are also subscribing. <laughs> yeah, I dug it. Uh, Gregory put a little like uh, Easter egg shout out to the Sprocket in a couple of those uh, videos. So, uh we're all in good company there. Thanks, Greg. Right on. Thank you. Uh, he says, P.S. Non-bike related. As a high school U.S. history and ethnic studies teacher, I tend to see movements for equality and social justice as a consistent stream with increasing and decreasing pressure depending on historical content. Now is clearly a time where the message of these movements is 
I'd like to think, reaching more people, specifically in the white community, that have been ignorant in the past. Long story short, I've been following Oregon and Portland a lot. Dot, dot, dot. So much going on there. Yes, you're correct about that, Gregory. Uh, Even though the Sprocket is, quote, just a bike podcast, I really appreciated you guys reflecting on your content and making it clear that you stand for social justice and the abolishment of the cycle of oppression that permeates so many aspects of our society. Peace. Right on. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And um, Cool. I'm I'm glad you're with us on this. Yeah, we're we're with it, too. And yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, well, like, as we said, um, we're we're working to to make that not an exception, but a but a rule. Well, yeah. And like like Johnny had said earlier in this in this interview, um, you know, one thing to take away for uh, non black and and people of color uh, is start elevating the start looking into and elevating the the voices of of people of color out there doing those things that that you do you know yeah and so we're we're getting there (laughs) yeah it's you know it's uh it's it's there's no finish line it's just it's just putting it out there it's just putting it out there for sure um and if you have somebody who you think would be a good candidate uh that we should know about please by all means let us know we'd love to chat with them all right we've reached the end of a one hour and 40 minute episode we did pretty good this week not too bad not too shabby that's why i love the internet good good Um, luck editing brock i'll i'll ask (laughs) i'll ask i would ask johnny uh in what spirit we should read the outro in um, oh, I forgot to ask him before he left. Well, so you see, for our listeners, if you visit his YouTube profile, he does have somewhat of a, a Steve Irwin-ish uh, a, a film about uh, canoeing on, I think it's the Boundary oh. Waters. So uh-huh, we could do it uh-huh. in that spirit, or we could just read it like ourselves. I'll, I'm actually going to like put you on the spot and leave that decision <laughs> to you, Aaron. <laughs> I don't have a coin to flip. That's usually how I make these decisions like this. Ah. We did one regular last time, so we're going to Steve Ir- Irwin this. Um, All right. This one's for you, Johnny. As I cringe slightly. That's okay. We'll be cringing together. <laughs> Crikey! The Sprocket Podcast is produced at X-Ray FM Studios thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Oi, that's a big phone number. It's call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. And thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. And thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Oh, shit. <laughs> Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. Crikey, I messed it up. Thanks to their sustaining donors, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson. It's all right, because if you grab them by the tail, you've got right Cameron Lean, <laughs> Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time time traveler. traveler. I wish I could time travel. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Keeley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, 
Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna who's gonna walk through this door any minute now. Aye, there's a wild Anna about. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's crikey right on that screen. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrinery. Cap Sight, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Harry Hugel, EJ Fennerin. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skado, Keith Hutchison. Ranger Tom, I know what it's like to be a ranger. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. <laughs> Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing. David Moore, Todd Grosbeck, <laughs> Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris Barron. And if you're really quiet, you might be able to find a Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Thank you for that letter. There's also, over there, a Ryan Morrow, a Dude Luna, and a very rare Matthew Brooks. Marshall Paul at Funitaki Cyclecraft. And Philip M. Spartandale, no relation. No relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative Keewinaw. Sarah G. Adam D. Go dig a hole. Ah, I will. Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy. Myra Martinez. Oso. Isaac M. David Christensen. 503. Brian Patterson and JT and Crikey, we got a newest donor, Kirsten Graham. I'd heard that Burning Man was a very interesting place from another person (laughs) this week. And to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far, stay away from your spring stingrays. Now wash your hands. I made a terrible joke. Wear your mask and go to bed. And brush your teeth. Yes, please. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Anna just walked in, so uh, I will catch you later. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> See you, Thanks, man. <laughs> Bye.